Come on, Steve. We've got D in the carpet. Failure is not an option. It's a problem of motivation, all right? Boy's got a mouth like a cannon, always shooting it off. Yeah, something like that. It's the good stuff. And here we go! Shake it back! <laughs> Does that feel good? Yeah, it rhymes. They're both verbs. Awesome. So listen to that. Have you ever had somebody say or write something that when reading it or when hearing it, it just really rubbed you the wrong way and, and really started putting you into a, a downward spiral and made you start thinking about yourself and, and the things that you were doing, the decisions you were making, and make you start questioning yourself and every single thing that you'd done up until that point? It's almost like just as you think you're doing well um, and things are going well in life, or with your thought processes, all of a sudden something comes up and it just knocks you down a peg or two. And then if you look at that, what ends up happening is there's actually, it's trackable. It's traceable. You can see this progression of these ups and downs, like a roller coaster of life just happening to you, that just as things are getting good, something happens and they start to, to, to slope down. And then you work on getting out of it and things get good and they start to you know, slope down again because something's come up. Something was said. You read something. You saw something. Well, it's very common, um, and it happens to a lot of people, myself included. Um, and I want to talk about that for a bit. I don't really know what I'm going to say per se. Um, this is more of a stream of consciousness um, episode versus a highly planned out, thought out. Not that any of my episodes are highly planned out or thought out. Typically, I come in with a with a topic, some pointers, some notes. And then we discuss from there. Um, but this one, this one really is. It's it's going to be an it's a, a stream of consciousness one because this is something that's been happening. Um, you know, as the year ends, um, I begin to think about next options for the next year and for what's going on for myself, for my relationships, for my family, schooling for my kids. Um, now I operate on a school based schedule. So for the last 15 years of my life, my life has revolved around the school calendar schedule versus the typical January to December schedule or the Jewish calendar of, um, you know, Rosh Hashanah and Tishrei until the, the end of the Jewish calendar. So I operate, I operate based off, basically based off of three different calendars between the Jewish calendar, the Gregorian calendar and the school calendar. And there are times throughout the year where I'll notice I have these swings of either really good things happening or things starting to take a downturn. Um, and it's very easy to get caught into this web of depression and anxiety and stress. Um, you look at your life, you look at the things that have been going on, and you start to question, well, are things really going away? Am I really where I want to be? Are things happening the way I want them to happen? Maybe I'm not doing enough, but I've tried so hard. I've done everything I could up until this point, I think, but maybe there's more to, for me to do. What is it that I'm supposed to do? And you can keep getting hit by these thoughts after thought after thought. And now something that oftentimes happens as we look at that, let's say, for example, you have a bad day, right? And an event happens during the day and it kind of upsets you, it annoys you, it bothers you, 
it starts sending you on a downward spiral of just, well, negativity. Um, and it's very easy for that to happen, frankly. And it's very easy for us to get caught in that. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that process happening. Again, like if, if that happens to you, it's nothing wrong with you. It's normal. It's human. We can look at an event that happens during the day and it'll completely set us off and almost destroy and ruin our day. Like my daughter, she comes home from comes home every day from school and she says, oh, I had the worst day ever. Yet when you speak to her teachers, <laughs> she actually had a really great day. Like today they had a lot of fun, but for her, for whatever reason, which we have yet to determine, um, her go-to response is, oh, I had the worst day ever. Um, and that happens to us too, as we can go through the day and because one thing happened, we'll think to ourselves, oh, I had the worst day ever. Especially if you are anyways feel like you're being gut punched and you're knocked down and, and it's been going on for a couple of days or maybe a couple of weeks and then something else happens and it's just like, you know, more, more fire. There's more, more fuel on the fire and it just starts burning even brighter. So I want to share with you a quote that my wife actually sent to me today. I believe if I'm getting this name correctly, it's Alice Morse Earl. Um, and the quote is like this. Every day may not be good, but there's something good in every day. Every day may not be good, but there's something good in every day. Now imagine that. What if you're going through a rough time? What if you're having a difficult time? Well, what if things just seemingly aren't going good? What if you had a really bad day at work? Your boss shouted at you. Your boss got angry at you. You found out that they're downsizing and now you're concerned maybe that's going to happen to me. Well, that's definitely going to set you off. It's not going to be a good thing to think about. But when you get home, what if you sat down for a minute and said, hmm, was today really a bad day? Or was there just something bad that happened? One event. Or maybe two events. Maybe it was a big event. Not to downplay it. But what if when you got home, you looked at the day and said, okay, well, what is something good that happened today? So for me, um, one of the things I get to experience on a daily basis is I get to school, I walk into class, um, pick up my students, and we start the day off. Um, I always start off with just a little chat, you know, with the guys, the kids talking to them, seeing, oh, how was your day? And, and, and it always starts off the same from 95% of the students it's, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. Oh, I didn't get any sleep. Oh, I hate school. Oh, I don't want to be here. So you can imagine that for someone like myself who's devoted their life to education for the last 15 plus years, 13 plus years, um, I've been in the field of self-development or personal development or, or character development, let's say, for 15 years. But in, in the classroom itself, I've been for around 12, 13 years. And you imagine that I've devoted my life to that for Again, 15 years. And in my final year in the classroom, the thing that I'm being greeted with on a daily basis is, ugh, I hate school. Ugh, I'm so tired. Students showing up, not able to focus. Students showing up, not able to learn. Students showing up with no interest. The constant complaints all the time. Now, some of you are going to say, well, that's just kids nowadays. Well, first of all, I've got a problem with that. Why is that acceptable for just kids nowadays? Shouldn't we be holding our standards of parenting to a much higher standard? But that's besides the point. So someone like myself, 
who's devoted themselves to their career, to their passion, to their mission, their life's mission, their life's work for the last 15 some odd years, and you in your position, maybe maybe this is speaking to you. Hopefully this is speaking to you. Well, hopefully it's not speaking to you because hopefully you're not experiencing this. But for those of you that this is speaking to, where you've devoted your life to something, whether it's your career and your work, whether it's your business, or heck, as a parent, you've devoted your life to raising your children, no matter how old they are. And all you hear is fetches and complaints and whining. It happens. It happens a lot. Listen, in my family too, like that's one of the things that we're working on with our kids is we as parents need to learn how to hear the fetching and complaints, not for what they are, but really for what the kids are trying to say. We have to control ourselves and our reaction to them. And we have to then learn how to respond to our children properly. As an example, um, today I was with my daughter. We went shopping at Aldi's, picking up some snacks and stuff. Um, and I was telling her how afterwards we were going to go to one of our friend's house for um, for a barbecue, a birthday barbecue. So my daughter was all excited. Was there going to be cake? I said, no, it's not going to be cake, but there's going to be peach cobbler. And she started tantruming and throwing a fit. Well, it wasn't tantruming and throwing a fit, but she started crying. I was like, but I want there to be cake. I said, yes, but there's not going to be cake. There's going to be peach cobbler. So I don't like peach cobbler. So I said, okay, well, you don't have to have peach cobbler if you don't want to have peach cobbler. She said, no, but I want peach cobbler. And I went back and forth like this for 15 minutes <laughs> saying oh, she didn't watch peach, she didn't want peach cobbler, but she wanted to have some. But, and back and forth. And it's one of those things. And this happens with her specifically, it happens with a lot of things very, you know, like this. Um, and it's not because she's a brat. Um, there's other things going on that we're looking into that we're trying to understand. But again, it is our job as as her parents to put in that work to see if we can understand it. Um, so that's the thing. Like this could happen to you as a parent. It could happen to you in your work environment where you're the people who are working for you or people who are working under you or even the people who are, you know, your employers or your supervisors will cause this where it, it, it's this complaint, this this criticism, this negativity, whatever it may be, and it has the power to knock you down. So again, in my classroom, when this happens, of course, it starts eating away at me. Well, maybe I'm failing as a teacher. Maybe everything I've done for the last 15 years has come to an end and it's not going to be the lovely glorious end that I was hoping. Maybe it's going to be a, a very negative, not nice exit. But then you have to stop yourself and think. Okay, is that really the case? Sure, this is what's happening. But what do we need to reframe? What do we as individuals need to learn from this? So me personally in the classroom, what I'll do is I'll remind myself, you know what? These kids are just being kids. And you know what? Whether I agree with this is how kids should be today in today's day and age or not, it doesn't matter. But this is how these kids are presenting themselves. So let's work on this. And so something I've started doing with them is trying to reframe their thinking so they have their complaints I'm tired i don't want to be here etc fine so i let them fetch i let them complain but then at the end i say okay now tell me one thing that you're grateful for one thing that happened yesterday that you appreciated and it's interesting because some of them are coming up with things right away and some of them are having a hard time but that was what surprised me is this idea that what are we teaching our kids and what are we teaching ourselves? Because it all has to start with ourselves. We have to find those things to be grateful for. We have to find the positive in our daily life. We have to find the positive in our day. 
And then we have to focus on that. That's not to say we're ignoring the negative. You can't ignore the negative, especially if it's something that's really, really bothering you. You have to work on it. But you, you, you can't just focus on that entirely. You got to look for the positive. But here's the thing. If you look at your life, how do you view the way you handle things? In general, do you self-deprecate? Put yourself down? Beat yourself up for not doing enough? For not being enough? For not having accomplished enough? Do you acknowledge what you've been able to accomplish and recognize that there is still more for you to do? I mean, for myself, I've, there's a whole world out there for me to impact. There's a whole lot of work that I need to do. And it's very easy to look back at where I am, or not look back at, but look at where I am today, 15 years into my educational career, and see that I'm still in the classroom, although this is my last year. It's very easy to look at that and say, I have not done enough. What have I actually accomplished? When I started my educational career, I've shared this in the past, but when I started my educational career, it was with the intention of going through all the different levels of um, of teaching, whether as a para, a sub, assistant, to a full-time teacher. And I, my plans was to eventually end up in administration. And that has yet to happen. That has not happened. Um, and I can look at that as a failure. But what I also have to do, if I'm being honest with you, is I have to look back at what I've accomplished. You know, 15 years in the classroom, having had the impact that I've been able to have, which I don't even know what that is because as teachers, we don't really find that out until years and years later. And we can hope and pray that it's good. But that's the same, the same thing applies in any industry. You may be 10, 15 years into a career and feeling like you've done nothing. Well, who have you become? What has the journey taught you? So really what I want to say is stop beating yourself up. Start writing down the things that you have been able to accomplish. Start acknowledging the good that you've done because as long as you're beating yourself up and you're knocking yourself down, you're never going to be able to move forward. Trust me, there are plenty of people out there in the world who will knock you down any chance they get. There are plenty of people who, out there who will tell you that you're not good enough. Why are you adding your own name to that list? Why not become your greatest advocate, your biggest cheerleader? Sure, it's a lot easier said than done, but it's worth it's work that's worthwhile. You know, there's many great books out there. One of them is um, it's called Mirror Work. It's a 21 day journey to something something or other. I have to look it up. I'll put it in the description. But it's a great it's a great book that's actually it's almost like a workbook. It's 21 days of looking in the mirror and telling yourself various messages that will help you to learn and grow. And you might say, oh, that's so silly. It works. <laughs> Fact of the matter is, when you stare at yourself in the mirror for 21 days straight and you tell yourself, I love you, and you're telling this to yourself, it's gonna sink in. There's um there's another book, I believe it's called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. Um, I can put that one in the link to the description too. It's another great book, and it talks about your wiring and the, the messages that you're telling yourself. But here's the thing. It also applies to our kids and to our family. The messages that we give our children, the messages that we give our spouses are so incredibly important, and the majority of it isn't even verbal or vocal. 
it's that sigh you give when you're sitting on the couch on your phone and your son comes over to you and he wants to look at baseball cards or read a book or play Legos. Your daughter wants to play Barbie and you've, you're back from a long day of work. I get it. It's tiring. You want nothing more than to be able to spend some time with yourself. And that's fine. That's allowed. And you should do that. But that, okay, sure. That says so much to those children. It says so much to your children, to your spouse. And then the subconscious message that you're telling yourself, knowing that, what did I just do? I just sent this message to my son that I don't want to spend time with him because I'm tired. So you have to take care of yourself. You have to fill your own bucket before you can give to other people. But you also can't beat yourself up for that sigh. Acknowledge it. But then redirect. Do something to change it. Do something about it. But again, when you look at your children, are you holding them as capable to what they could do, to who they could become? I love that line. That line came from one of my coach, my, one of my coaches and mentors, amazing guy by the name of Mitch Matthews. We're going to interview him on the show one of these days. And I, I remember it, I believe it was in one of the um, coaching seminars he was doing. And he asked that question. He said, what if we held people as capable? We stop looking at people and saying, oh, they can't do this. Oh, he, he's too young to do that. He's too heavy to run that mile. He's not smart enough to take that test. What if we stopped holding people to a level lower than where they are or where they could be? What if we started holding people as capable? If you looked at somebody and said, I believe that they can do that. Whether it makes sense or not, it doesn't matter. Look at that person and say, I believe that person can do it. Your daughter comes to you and says, I'm going to be president of the United States of America. That is amazing. I love that idea. How can we support you? Your son comes to you and says, I want to build a three-story building at a magnet tile. Now you have a carpet floor and you know it's not going to stand. doesn't matter. Hold them capable. Your son's set on memorizing some book that's going to allow him to win a, a contest or a spelling bee, let's say. And let's say your son's dyslexic and he's not very good at reading. Hold him as capable. Why, why does he need you telling him that he can't do it and he shouldn't do it because he's dyslexic? How about hunger down? Help him out. This was a message that my wife and I got very clear, loud and clear when it came to our son. I've shared this before that my son is, you know, he's diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder and many people will look at that as a bad thing. Um, we definitely did when we first found out because we just, we didn't know what to expect. Um, and through the schools that he was enrolled in at the time, it was very clear that they were looking at his limitations and they were looking at autism as a limitation and that he would never be able to get beyond the prescribed limitations of autism. We chose to hold him as capable. We chose to look at him and say, I believe that he is more than his diagnosis. And then we have to back that up. We had to put in the hard work that it requires to help him become that, no matter what the costs. One of those costs was moving from New York where things weren't necessarily easy, but they were comfortable. We had government insurance. <laughs> We got, uh, we never got food stamps or anything like that, but we had various forms of assistance from the government. We were renting an apartment from my in-laws, so it was probably the cheapest rent in, in, in higher New York. 
Like we we had a good life there, so to speak, because things were easy, but they weren't comfortable. But we made the leap and moved here to Texas where things were going to be, you know, that much more expensive and that much harder to afford, especially as schooling, because we believed in what he was capable of. And the incredible thing is that all those things that that school said he would never be able to do, he's done more than. He's gone above and beyond. They said that he has this obsession with with cars that we need to limit. And if we don't limit that, that obsession, um, then he's never going to go beyond it. Well, we believe that he can have a healthy obsession with cars and vehicles. Why not? And that over time, he'll pick up new things. And you know what? Sure enough, he has. So he loves cars, but he also loves geography now. And he loves information about states. He loves math. And his latest thing is sports. Who would have thought that my son would be interested in sports? But that's the case. And he found it on his own. Why? Because we held him as capable. We pulled him out of a school that did not believe in what he was able to do. Could not see past the limitations. We pulled him out of a school that was forcing policies upon him that were detrimental to his health, his mental and emotional health. We pulled him out of a school that, again, only saw him as who he was in this moment and not what he could be. And we put him in an environment that we were unsure of. But we believe that by being in that environment, he could grow and he could become more. And that's what's happened. And of course, it has its own set of challenges. Right now, we're navigating the the social arena with him, teaching him that the way he perceives things is not necessarily the way things are. Now, we had we heard that one of his classmates um, in an excitement to get a certain pencil from the pencil jar pushed past him. Um, and our son took this very personally. He said that this kid was bullying him and pushing him. I spoke to the teacher about it. I spoke to the principal. They all saw it. And it was like, no, it was very clearly just a boy who was excited and he wanted to get the pencil first. Now, that doesn't mean that that boy is right with his pushing. He's absolutely not. He shouldn't be. But at that point, you know, the kid is a kid. That really is a kid as being a kid. But in Mayer's world, that is bullying. In Mayer's world, somebody not wanting to play with him is that person being mean versus that person wanting to play with somebody else. Now, looking at limitations, we would say he will never be able to see anything beyond that. But looking at his capabilities as, no, maybe being in that situation and that scenario is good for him. It'll teach him, it'll force him to learn more about himself and more about socialization with the right facilitation, because that's also extremely important. But we have to hold them as being capable. Yet here's the thing. At the same time, we have to remember that kids are kids and they they need to be kids. Um, today we celebrated the birthday of a, of a good friend, really a brother of mine. Um, this is somebody who's been there for me in the last year and a half through thick and thin and has really been helping guide me. So he's very close. We're very close with him and his wife. Um, and we're very close to them and they're very close to us. And our kids love them so much so that they call them uncle and aunt. And one of the things that always impresses impresses me is his his thing of, you know, let kids be kids. So today the kids were in the backyard and they were throwing sand around. <laughs> we as the parents are actually, I thank God I, w- I was having an easier time of it. I wasn't freaking out so much because I knew that in, in his house, you know, his policy is let kids be kids. But there's some other parents there that were, they were getting a little stressed because their kids were doing it also. And they were, what was their concern? Their concern was that they're going to ruin the house. They're going to ruin the yard. And so this friend of ours, he said, in my house, kids are allowed to be kids. 
There's nothing in this house that if if a kid did something to it, it could be ruined by that by that child, and that I would get angry. There's nothing in this house that that would allow that to happen. And that's the things we have to remember that kids are kids. That's not an excuse for them being ill-behaved and disrespectful. There's a difference. That's called poor parenting. Kids being kids is allowing them to have fun and letting them to explore and experiment. And frankly, we should do more of that. We need to let ourselves be childlike more often to allow ourselves to have fun, to let loose, stop worrying so much. But all this being said, the same applies to you, to me, to all of us. What is holding us back? What is holding you back from being you, truly and authentically? What is the major blockage that's eating away at you? Here's the thing. If you dig deep enough, you'll figure it out. There's something there that is holding you back preventing you from taking that next step, moving one step forward onto the next leg of your journey. Because I guarantee you where you are right now is not where you're meant to be. Not if you're listening to this podcast. I guarantee you that you feel deep down that there is something more that you can be doing. Something more you should be doing. If you're like me, you're you're not settled. You can almost never settle. Never feel like you're there. You always feel like there's just one more thing beyond our grasp, but there's something pulling you back. 95% of the time, it's you. You're holding yourself back. There's stories, there's scripts, limiting beliefs. What are those limiting beliefs? What are those stories? What are those scripts that you've got? And are they really true? Are you holding yourself as capable? Or do you look at everybody else and say, oh, it'd be so easy for them to get that job. Oh, it'd be so easy for them to get a raise. Oh, it'd be so easy for them to start a business. Oh, they're doing such a great job. Ah, me, I could never do that. Why not? I used to think that you had to have a some sort of major major issue in order to be successful. You had to have dyslexia or drop out of college or, you know, God forbid, be in an accident that you lost a limb in order to make you successful. In reality, it's that's obviously not the case. Sure, there are many people that are like that that are successful, but it's not because of that limitation. It's because they didn't believe in that as a limitation. They saw beyond it. What is your limitation? What is holding you back from taking the next step? What are your fears? What are your concerns? You know, I love this topic of fear. We're actually going to get to it in them. In episode or two, we're going to be interviewing another good friend of mine, a coach and a mentor as well, and he's going to talk about fear. But what are your fears that are holding you back? You dig deep, acknowledge them, see what they are, and realize that these limitations, there's nothing, there's no credence, there's no credibility to it. Why? Because you look at your history of how far you've come, and it'll show you how far you can still go. You're not sure how to do that? Tap into your network. Who is there? Who's available for you? Who's got your back? Who's got your six? Who's the one that will help uplift you and push you? Who's the one that's going to pick you up off the floor after you've fallen? But who's the one that's not going to let you sit there moping and weeping? I reached out to this good friend of ours, 
the one whose birthday we just celebrated, I reached out to him a couple of days ago because I've been in a pretty challenging place. And he's like, it's funny because there were stages of his responses. The first stage was very much empowerment. You can do this. You've got this. Here's how you can do it. The second stage was, okay, stop being a little girl about this. <laughs> but that's the point. The point is you have to have people. And you do have people. I guarantee you, you have somebody in your life right now that you can call on. You can send a message to and say, hey, I'm having a bit of a hard time. Can you help me? I guarantee you have somebody like that. You know how I can guarantee you that? Because if you have nobody else, at the very least, you have me. So if you're experiencing that right now, you're in one of those low areas, those valleys, as we say, and you need some help, you need somebody to extend an arm, extend a hand and help pull you up and get you going to the next level, reach out, shoot me a message. My contact information is in the description. You can send me a voice note through Spotify that'll be private and confidential. Look me up on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, wherever it may be. Find my phone number, shoot me a message on WhatsApp. If you already have my phone number, you already have my WhatsApp, shoot me a message. I'm here for you. I'll pull you up. But you have to be the one to start that. The work starts with you. The growth starts with you. You take that first step, and I guarantee you, there will be other people there to help you up. Welcome to the conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean so much to me if you would let me know by hitting that follow button and the notification bell so that the next time I release an episode, you'll be notified and you'll be able to listen to it. Additionally, it would help me immensely if you could leave me a rating and, of course, write a review. I would love to hear back from you, from your feedback, whatever it may be. So please be sure to reach out either through my email, through any of my social media platforms, or by leaving a voice note. I'd say that was a pretty successful broadcast.